Money Issues, a podcast about leadership management and hoping retirement gets a little less busy soon. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pi or Pi Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. Retirement. Oh, what? What did you say? And of course, leadership? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm Kevin Miller. Uh, Happy to be back at the microphone, the only place where all of my opinions are actually fact. That is 100% true. Um, Today on the show, we're catching up and talking about company growth, small company growth, big companies, and what it's like to change between them or make one into the other. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So before we do that, though... You have some life changes, and it's not just uh, that you've sewn more clothes or bloomers or whatever it is you're sewing these days. Uh, you have actually officially quit. You 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 quiet quit. Wait, what's the? No, um, no, no. I, I was can't. pretty loud about it. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you walk out the door with a with a Woo-hoo! video and post it to TikTok? What was? Uh, what did it look like? Why'd you make the decision? Why now? Are you going to die within four years like the statistic says is common? Or uh, oh, yeah, what's, totally. what, tell us all about the retirement decision. Uh, my goodness. Well, uh, I had planned to retire after working at this job two years. I, I, I did know that that was my plan. So it wasn't like I, I quit. I had let uh, all of my you, leadership you knew. know they in knew. advance. They knew coming in. that, that was They okay. knew, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did make that clear. So it wasn't, I definitely did not want to leave anyone in the lurch. We definitely hired someone to fill my role. And um, but no, it was it was a long, slow time coming. And also uh, a variety of attempts for uh, by my organization to have me not do it. But um, <clears throat> no, I, I was pretty seriously well, because to retire. You're, you're retired but willing to come out of retirement for the a minimum span of at least a few years for friends uh, that you know and like very much <laughs> and want to do, right? No, no. no. Uh, so I was retired when I left my prior job. I was like, okay, this I'm done. I'm done. This is, this was not great. And I'm done. And um, then I got talked into going to, to Cribble, which is where I was most recently. And I, uh, it was it, it, it's a great place to work like it's a fantastic company to work at they do a really uh they're very serious about making it a good place to work it's part of the you know it's a major part of their intent uh, as a company um and even so every time i had a meeting i had to go to or i don't know any anything that was going to take up my time i was just like oh gosh you know oh my goodness I'm so entitled. I just do not wish to, you know, how dare you have any sway over my time. I just felt really put upon a lot of the time. Like it was totally my problem, but that was very, made it very clear to me. Like, no, I'm, I'm done. I have, yeah. I have, uh, I have not got the, the right attitude <laughs> anymore. So I, luckily I can be done. That's a, that's a thing that, you know, is not the case for a lot of folks. And I feel extremely privileged to, be able to say this is it i'm i'm done we're not i'm not going to make any more money um uh but yeah and, it, it and does your does your other half work or y'all y'all are both done so okay mm-hmm, we're both done so how often like wh- how much did it cost you to register at the country club how often are you golfing <laughs> what, what are you going to do with your time like what does this look oh like? my gosh there's even a thing in this town right now because there is a golf course in the middle of town and there's like a lot of people with signs that 
say, save our green space, the golf course. I'm like, oh, for crying out loud. It's a freaking golf course. It's not a green space. Uh, so no, I don't play golf. What color uh, is that space if it's not green? Rachel? It is green. I do agree. Oh. <clears throat> Yeah, it's not really a natural green space, however. Uh, yeah. I am spending a lot of time working on my nonprofit, uh, which, uh, I mean, I didn't start this nonprofit. It's not mine, as in I don't own it. I'm just, I'm on the board. Uh, which but you've is always a working worked board. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, it's a You have worked with small. them for a long time. But so, but years. wait, like, are you, are you ramping that up? Are you going from five, 10 hours a week to 40 hours a week? Or are you keeping it about the same? Or are you just, you do it when you need to, cause you can, but you also feel okay not doing it. Um, I am doing a bit more, but I'm definitely not going up to 40 hours a week. Uh, most of the stuff that I do for this org is write grant proposals and find grants that we can apply to. Uh, but we need to move our fundraising more into, um, monthly donations by actual people who live in the area rather than <clears throat> grants that we can't necessarily rely on getting again next year or the year after that kind of stuff so right. it's an interesting right. and it, it it kind of follows into our topic for today although i don't i know we're not going there yet because i need i have a lot of questions for you too pal um but uh the idea is you know this this growth phase is this sort kind of awkward adolescence of a company where there are there are only so many grants that are kind of private grants or foundation grants that you can apply for. Um, they want new comp they want new nonprofits or new programs, and they you know they'll only let you apply if you have up to five hundred thousand dollars budget or something like that. And then there's this kind of gray area because applying for big federal grants or big state grants, anything that um, is administered by the government, requires a ton more overhead. You have to be prepared to do a lot more reporting. You have to provide a lot more right. detailed information, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, for a good reason. But when you're a small nonprofit, you don't have the bandwidth really to uh, you know, to, to do that effectively until you're bigger right. and you have a, like a department for doing that sort of thing and, and handling all the reporting and whatnot. So we're in this kind of, we're getting into that space and I'm not sure what we're gonna do. We need to ramp up our other kinds of fundraising and get more stable. Anyway. Um, I want to ask you, you're in a whole new Whoa. place. I see your background. Oh, sure. But, but we, we got, we got to go on this for a little bit longer. So like, what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> so I, I know Must a lot die. of people that panic about retiring because they're like, mm -hmm. I think I like the idea of time off, but I'm actually going to get twitchy and need to do something. So you have a, you a have lot of a people have assured me that that would happen. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, right. you're going to be so bored. I'm like, heck no. I, uh, I have started playing a bunch of new video games, uh, that I didn't really like, I like, I need a certain amount of time to accomplish anything like sewing or writing, or in this case, playing video games. And I was only like, you know, half an hour here and there between meetings means I can't really get anything done the way my mind works. Uh, so not yeah. having that happen means I'm able to focus on stuff like, you know, like more sewing, of course, as you suggested, but also video games or cooking something more complicated or, you know, that kind of stuff. Going on a longer bike ride. I've been having a good time. Although we've definitely, we've also had people visiting. So that's, that's also taken up a lot of time. We'll see if. Are you getting bored or no? No. I mean, there are moments in the day where I'm like, what could I be doing right now? I could just be sitting here getting stoned. That would be fine. Like I'm trying not to yeah. give myself crap about like, oh no, I should be productive. 
uh but no i mean really like like what what keeps you from just being stoned all day long every day like that's not you know that's if it's a very if good no question and you can afford to well i mean well I'm, I I'm honestly one of the main curious. reasons i don't do that is because i'd have to keep consuming more and more marijuana over time because you develop a tolerance and then you know at a certain point well then you can point. switch to the fun stuff i'm sorry keep going mm, heck no heck no I worked in a heroin rehab center when I was 17 and I am terrified of hard drugs and even marijuana. Like I don't, I don't, I want to like it. I don't like it. So I don't use it. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause it, it, the old, the few times I've had it, it always gives, has a negative uh, reaction for me. So I'm, I'm just not a fan, but anyways, oh, yeah. um, you don't got to do it. It's fine. <laughs> you don't gotta, you, I, I mean, look at me. I look like the kind of person that should use marijuana. I have been approached. I, I'm approached almost every day here, and someone offers me uh, weed because it's legal to possess, but it's not legal to sell. So the sellers are all on the street, like, oh, you know, "Hey man, you want some hash?" Uh, wow, yeah, that's a little and, uh, stressful. It's just that's funny sad. because, like, everyone I know is like, "Wait, why did that guy just offer you weed?" And I'm like, "You don't get offered weed." And they're like, "I've lived me. here four years, no one's ever <laughs> offered me weed." And I'm like, "I've been here ten minutes, and people offer me weed every five. Uh, okay, so you it's don't think the boredom thing is going to be an issue? You know enough people to stay engaged. You're not lonely in the boredom. Nope. What's it look like? No, I am not lonely. Uh... I have a number. And also, as, as the weather's been great, it's been a lot easier to get together with people outside. So it is, yeah, it's been pretty nice. And, you know, we'll have, uh, my mother-in-law has been, in here, been here and she's going to be here for another week. And then I've got a couple weeks to myself. And then my dad shows up for a week. And then after that, I feel like, all right, this is going to be the long, dark winter test of how... Gotcha bored i am but i i think i'm gonna be okay i really do I but even that myself like, occupied i mean i've known people that even late into retire they need something three months out or six months just to have everyone this thing is certain kind of always, that yeah, i'm gonna look, need what? this i'm gonna plan vacations like i i have a vacation planned uh, a trip i suppose they're not vacations anymore if you're not vacating from something uh but yeah. uh, i've got a i've got a trip planned for the the week of christmas uh, we're gonna go to Victoria, to Vancouver Island, rather, and um, and then go up north to Tofino to spend some time there. Hopefully, storm watching. So yeah, it's fun to plan trips. That I definitely agree. Yeah. The only thing preventing yeah. me from doing more of that is COVID, to be honest. Gotcha. So we'll see gotcha. how that goes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So well, well, it's cool. Um... It's cool, everyone. I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you get real bored, get on a plane and come to Portugal and come hang out. I might. got some nice beaches. I'm it does sound super sharing great. some pictures. It's really pretty mm -hmm. all the time. It looks here. lovely. Uh, granted, I've been here five weeks, so I have a very small, about a twelfth of, a, of, of the actual, you know, what it's going to be like. Um, so, yeah, you keep trying to shift gears. The, so we made it. We moved. We did it. You it did happened. It. Congratulations. Uh, Oh man, and we got our visas approved, which was a big deal, a big fucking deal. Mm. I kind of thought that was never gonna happen. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When, when, when they got, when we got the email saying they'd been approved, I didn't believe it. Uh, and um, may or may not have cried a little bit. <laughs> Just relief. Holy cow, we worked hard at that. And it's uh, complicated. Well, we still don't have the visa. That's the other thing. So I, you know, I have to leave at the end of this month. I'm flying back to go to KubeCon. If you're going to be at KubeCon, hit up Kimball. 
Um, I'm flying back to go to KubeCon and we have to ship our passports to the consulate in San Francisco and then uh, re-enter Portugal on the new visa. It's a long, complicated, messy process. When we re-enter on the new visa, we still can't stay long-term. We just can stay until we get our residence permit, which should take, you know, should be scheduled to have that meeting within the first three months. And then we can stay God. for the next two years on that residence <laughs> permit uh, or a year. I, can't by, I think it's by re -enter, two and then can like, for three. Does your whole family have to leave and then come back? Or the can entire it family has to leave and then come back so to the country. Are they all going to go to San Francisco with you? Or are you going well, to just like walk across the border and just be like, it's, it's No, because you can't just cross the border because in Europe, it's like one big country. It's like America, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you don't even get a stamp. I see. There's no border control. So you have to leave the Shenzhen zone. Uh, so we could go to, I think Gibraltar would count. I think that's not in the Schengen zone. But uh, anyways... We've figured out family stuff. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. It's a long, complicated yeah. process. We're leaving, coming back. Uh, it happens to line up with a break for my kids' schooling. Um, but then when we get back, okay. there's a limited number of times I'm allowed to leave the country before I have that appointment. And anyways, it's just like we've worked yeah. really hard at it. But it, now it's all just logistical instead of just like sitting here waiting and unsure if bureaucracy is going to happen. Right. So, Did we get uh, rid of all of our stuff for no good reason? <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's real messy, but uh, we're gonna figure it all out. So I'm uh, so now I'm in an in an apartment, three bedroom apartment that we're rented short term while we wait for a long term thing. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some ambient noise in the background, like buzzing up and like doors slamming and like people coming in and out of this room because I'm in a little tiny apartment. Uh, so three bedrooms. Yeah, so you the don't boys have your room, special the girls are in office. One room. I do not have an office. We There are no long-term rentals here. Like some people get lucky and find one, but uh, the economics like of short-term, yeah, the economics of short-term rentals make so much more sense that, that you basically can't rent something long-term because in the summer, they're going to make so much money off a of short-term mm -hmm. that sometimes you can rent something for the winter. And then, you know, some of these places that are like $1,500 a month in the winter go for $7,000 a month in the summer. And so like- uh, not not seven thousand a month. Some of them are seven thousand a week in the summer. Like it is nuts how much they just. So, um, yeah. I mean, those are the nice That's complicated. Places, but yeah, so we probably have to buy something. Is the reality of it? But uh, I'm looking at that, and mortgage rules are different and complicated, and all the markets are down. So how much money do I want to take out when everything's down? And also, like, we don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know what did, I want, you know? You did this thing and now you're like, oh no, <laughs> all of the details. That's no, just the, kind the of details thing I worry don't about. bother me. No, it doesn't cause me okay, any, it, it doesn't good. even cause me stress. It's just complicated. It's just, there's a shit uh -huh. ton to still figure out. I mean, thankfully, so within a week of being here, my son was registered and playing on a local soccer team. My daughters both found dance clubs to be a part of. Oh, one cool. of them dances in two clubs. The other one dances in a club. They both dance six days a week, which is insane. Cool. Uh, so they're, they're making friends. They're getting to know people were probably pulling my oldest daughter out of an international school and putting her in a local Portuguese school because the, there's been some complications there. And like, uh, I can't believe that I have four kids. I made a move internationally, one homeschool. Yeah. So we're going to have three different schooling different systems. Schooling situations. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. 
ridiculous. But, okay, okay. But even so homeschooling. Away is from the details, the, the, the complications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's been your favorite thing about being there? What have you? What what experience has been the best so far? Because I've seen lots of pictures of you sitting in lovely beachside cafes, having a pint or whatever. What's I been mean, really great? Well, so we we moved. A big part of the reason we moved to Europe is we wanted our kids are in this in between where they're old enough to be independent, but in America and suburban life, you can't be independent because you have to drive to everything. Because you can't get mm-hmm. to anything with a you know walk or a bike. Um, this city is small enough you can walk anywhere in fifteen minutes. That is my favorite thing. Like you, there, awesome. you just don't need to go. We did rent a car this weekend and go like explore the whole surrounding area. Um, but like this town is such that you can get to anything and a long walk is a 20 minute walk. Like that is the absolute mm-hmm. end of the other end of the town. And my son rides a bike to, to soccer and my daughters walk to dance and they, they have complete freedom. So that's my favorite thing. You can walk to the beach in eight minutes. If I want to send my son down to the beach to go swim for a little bit, he can literally walk down there, swim and come back. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, we have a kayak and a paddleboard we can go do, but my favorite, ex- so, so I like the thing that I like most about it is that just the smallness of it. It's beautiful. Awesome. We're close to everything. Yeah. Um, and it's a cute little old town, you know, but, it um, does look really cute. It's really cool. Yeah. And then, uh, but the coolest thing we've done is we did, we paid for a guided kayak tour and took the whole family and they, you know, you're all in your own kayak or two people to a kayak, but uh we went out um there's caves and bluffs and the the region's called the algarve and an algarve apparently is this like a a tunnel basically when the water uh wears out a tunnel through the stone and then also like from the top so it's like a chimney like an open uh -hmm. whatever i think that's what they call an algarve I'm sure that I'm getting it wrong. But yeah, you can like paddle into these and look up and like just amazing, beautiful, crazy places and like hidden beaches that you can only get to by kayak. And it was really, really, really cool. So that's been the highlight. Uh, It's been (laughs) figuring out how to work here. Less fun, messy. It's complicated, but we're still still figuring out how to podcast. Yeah, our time zone situation has been kind of complicated too, right? So... (laughs) Yeah, well, I work into the evening every night now, and uh, that's annoying and messy, but like it's, you know, before I was waking up really early to have the calls with Europe and Israel, and now I stay up late to have calls with the States, but um, anyways, anyways, so that's what's going on. We made it. Uh, that was a long catch up, um, but we can shift gears to the topic. It's been weeks, okay, though. So, what's that? It's been, it's been weeks, weeks, though, so it's there was a weeks. lot to catch up on. And hopefully we're going to get back to some kind of cadence here at some point once mm-hmm. I get my shit together, but uh, we'll work on we that. We will do our best. Um, I've got several guests that I want to bring on. I just have to... It's just time. Just time and mm-hmm. money, like everything in life. The two things I have infinite amounts of. Uh, <laughs> wait. Um, no, that's me. Me. I'm the one that has infinite yeah, time. Uh, well, so what I wanted to talk about today is company growth, small companies, big companies, what it's like to change from a big one to a small one, what it's like to grow from a small one to a big one. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we could pontificate on this for a long, long time, but I've just been thinking about, uh, I, I, let me, let me start here. Small bootstrapped company is what I spent the last seven years primarily at now, right? Now, mm-hmm. now I work for all venture-backed companies uh, with one exception, I guess. But the um, 
and even venture backed is different. Like you have a depth of pockets, you could screw everything up, you could go out of business, but likely you have a little bit of runway. Problem with bootstrapped mm-hmm. is you're like, we got three months in the bank means we got to hire somebody. Okay, we got two months in the bank means we got to hire somebody. We got one month in the bank means we got to panic. Okay, you know, and like there's just yeah. no there's no buffer. And uh, I remember looking at you know, Microsoft and Google who would launch billions and billions dollar, billion and billion dollar uh, projects and then kill them off because they failed. And mm-hmm. they went, well, we fucked up. And I'm like, imagine being able to make a $2 billion mistake. Like we make a $100,000 mistake, we might go out of business tomorrow. And uh, yeah, it's always been my dream to be big enough to make, to be able to make just outrageous <laughs> Super mistakes expensive and not go out mistake. of business. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I'm, you know, talk a little bit. Let's start with your experience because you were early at uh, at Splunk, and I don't know if at you've Splunk, grown yeah. that big with other ones. Um, like you've t- you've said before, it was like sixty way. employees when you joined, and yeah. how many when you left? Yeah. Or? However, I I have not so much as is you know it's, it's it's totally not unreasonable given how different you and I are, and we've talked about this before uh, the willingness to take risks and and so on. I have never worked for a bootstrapped company. Uh, that would be way too much risk for me and my livelihood. So everywhere I've gone to work has been venture backed uh, when I got there. <clears throat> and the same is true for Splunk. Uh, I started at Splunk in uh, 2007, I think it was. Um, and yeah, I was employee number 60. And when I left, it was in the three to 4,000 people, I guess. So not yeah, huge, big... but pretty big. I mean, there's bigger companies. There's always bigger companies. <laughs> For sure. And I've worked at those too. Um, prior to that, I was at a startup that I think in retrospect, I'm pretty sure that the uh, the founder, the CEO of this company had intended to get it bought by Symantec. And I went to work there. It was maybe 100 people. Um, and then three months later, we were acquired by Symantec. It was an anti-spam company called Brightmail. That was a big surprise. I did not know that was going to happen. Uh, that was back in, I think it was 2000, no, 2003, maybe. So, you know, a long time ago. Um, and that's a different feeling. You go from, uh, not too much process, Although this company, I think, the, so this is a bright mail. I'm talking about the company that got bought by Symantec. Because I think they were intending to get acquired, the CEO had been an executive at Symantec prior, so had some clue about how they did ran their business. Uh, so this company was pretty structured. Oh, man, that was an interesting interview, too. I, I, was the, uh, I interviewed for the role of the manager of the documentation team there. Yeah. They already had a documentation team. Actually, I think I was I interviewed for a senior tech writer role. That's what that's what it was. I'm trying to remember. Years gone by. Uh and then mid-interview, they asked me if I would be willing to take the manager job. Uh, and I was like, but you already have a tech pubs manager. And then they said, Well, we've been thinking of demoting this person. And so I had to talk to oh, that wow. guy about what uh well, uh, how do you how does this work? Are you, you know, are you aware of this? Do you, how do you feel about this? And to his credit, he was very like, yeah, this is reality. I will orient myself towards the reality. I will have no problem with you. You didn't cause this. I was like, wow, that's a pretty great reaction. <laughs> so I did end up taking the manager role there. But anyway, the org was pretty well organized. Uh, I don't remember it being a huge 
logistical difficulty to move to suddenly a 11,000 person company. And then after that, they merged with Veritas. And that was the biggest place I've ever worked at. That was approaching, I guess, 18,000 people at one point. Um, But then we acquired a bunch of companies subsequent to that. And I had to merge them and their not so great processes or not so rigorous processes into ours. So from that perspective, going places, checking out how they do things, acquiring them, and then onboarding them into our massive content management system and all of our processes to build software. It was a lot of work. I didn't get to do a lot of writing myself because I was too busy making sure everyone was dovetailing together. All our content kind of looked and sounded the same, had the same level of complexity. That sort of stuff takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of oversight. Well, and, and... So wait, so so talk to me about how that was different than like when you were at Splunk or when you were at one of the bigger ones. Um, well, with Splunk, it was kind of a slow, ongoing process. Yeah, definitely, it was pretty messy in the early days. Uh, I I get the impression that the folks that you know we were originally worked with, who were the original management and leadership, many of them hadn't really gone to a bigger size before. Didn't really think ahead about setting up infrastructure, setting up processes that will support growth. But I mean, I think that's the case for most places. They're like, well, we're just paying attention to the next three months, the next six months, maybe Um, making sure we can make that money, making sure we can make our numbers. Uh, Lots of both logistical and technical debt that I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, That, that, (laughs) that was quite a ride. Uh, well, and did 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 Splunk grow because it just it was a product in the right place at the right time and people just couldn't get enough of it, or did Splunk grow because they were working their asses off to sell it, or what what happened that made it go and have that massive growth? Well, at the time, it was definitely uh, a unique product that filled a need that definitely people had. I mean, because I came from a culture of sysadmins and operations people, uh, and in general, understood what they needed to do on a daily basis, it made complete sense for Splunk to be an incredibly successful product. Just like, to me, it makes total sense in the same way that Cripple and and Cripple products are going to be incredibly successful uh, because they met a need that no one else really solved before. Um, And I think that's one of the main reasons um, that the sales team was definitely hired fast and, and, and grew, uh, commensurately fast with the need to sell the product, but people couldn't get enough of it. It definitely for sure there. The fact that we had a free version, I always think that's, you know, if you have a good product and you know that it solves a problem, you should have a free version because no one is going to sell your product as well internally as your, as, as someone who got it for free and is trying it out. They're your internal SEs basically. So definitely make use of that if you have a good product that isn't too complicated to get going. Um, And And this is the the early product-led growth thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I mean, you you cannot grow in such a way without a product that really solves a problem. So uh, it's my belief that that's the main reason that Splunk did so well. And it's continuing to do pretty well. It's a great product. It's a much larger, slower company now. And uh, my understanding is that it's harder to ship product because there's a huge surface area that you have to consider and a bunch of different 
integrations you have to worry about and so that slows everything down it sounds to me like you know that's going to be an ongoing issue for them and they're going to figure that out but uh early days you could you could add something to the product and have it ship within the next couple of months also we had a qa department back then i think people don't really do that anymore (laughs) yeah i don't know what the how that works now yeah right yeah right right it's, yeah, it's yeah. all what's, what's automated. What's been your now, experience? But. Well, uh, I mean, I think what's interesting, part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is it's very clear to me how different it can be that some companies, it's like they strike gold and it just blows up and others just, just by the skin of their teeth, just mm-hmm. grind and grind and grind and grind and eventually get to this growth or, or it starts to take off at some point or whatever, like, you know, some companies, they hit it early on. Some companies have to hit 5 million in ARR before it starts to just fly, but then it starts to fly, fly off the shelf. Is there an example you're thinking of there? Where Well, there is, but I gotta be careful about everything that I'm I'm sharing. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's, there's, um, I mean, you know, think of think of any of the companies that, that blow up overnight. Right now, in my head, there's a company out of Israel, I think, called Wiz. That's a security company that just hit, like, the fastest billion-dollar company in history. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was, like, nine months or something from zero to a billion dollars in revenue. I mean, just something insane, right? Like, just overnight, a billion dollars. I think those are that. I'm sure that I have the numbers wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, it was... Uh, you know, there's some people just strike gold. And so it's just interesting to me because it's not that the product's necessarily wrong. And there's a, there's a huge difference too between like, we solved this one thing in this slightly different way. And so I can say, well, my product is Splunk, but faster. Splunk, but bluer. Splunk, but in, <laughs> you know, with five wheels this time or whatever it is. Like, like it, and, uh-huh. and so the pitch is super fast and concise. So you can literally you know, be like, Hey man, you guys use Splunk. Well, I got, I got a Splunk over here, but it's got an extra wheel. You, you would like it. And so what five wheels, you know, like, or whatever it is, like it's, I'm giving a ridiculous Mm -hmm. example. Um, but, uh, (laughs) there's some ease in that. Then it, you know, like if, if I say, Hey, I've got a car, but it's electric. You don't need gas anymore. I mean, there's a, there's a compelling pitch there. You, you know Mm -hmm. what a car is. You use a car, you know, you like cars, you hate gasoline, you hate paying for gas, whatever. Um, you're never going to fix yeah, the internal combustion. You're kind of conflating growth with market size and segment, right? You... Well, so I'm I'm coming back to that. I'm coming around okay. to growth, but uh, but then there's these other companies that invent something completely new, and they have to sit you down and be like, okay, you've never seen one of these before, mm-hmm. and so it's going to take me. But a you few want months, one, yeah? Close <laughs> your eyes and imagine you can move on a horse, mm-hmm. but the horse has doors and the horse has wheels and the horse, you know, like. Like you can yeah, get there, it but it takes poof, forever right. and you got to show it to somebody. Yeah. And as particularly the early versions don't look as sexy as the later ones. Right. And so what's possible in the growth. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% conflating the, like the way you hit the market, the kind of market you hit all those things. But when you enter a crowded mm-hmm. market with something that is demonstrably better, you can explode overnight when you enter a market that nobody else is in, but they can immediately understand your product. Yeah. You can and sell a billion pet Splunk rocks was. overnight. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah and I think the say it's like is... Google for your data center. That was the thing that we used to say. So there was already a thing that we could point to. 
right. right. Google for your data center. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you as usual. Well, no. So I just think it's 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 interesting, and you can get to behemoth size company with very mediocre product if you were in the right place at the right time, or you had a really good sales team. Cough, cough, Oracle. Right? Like there's there's. Uh, there's a way to just get there because you just grind and grind and grind and never stop grinding. And I don't um, know what the early history of Oracle was. Was did it just I'm, did it take them a long time to I mean their original database product for business maybe that was, was one a of those product. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm, just... I, I'm I'm pointing at them as a ridiculous example. I the, actually the company that I think of that's a really big one that got there by grinding away. I do know the specifics of but again I can't I, I don't want to name mm -hmm. them uh but uh the i was thinking my, service now hmm i don't know well my point is like so there's a way to have that explosive growth and you get there overnight and you have all kinds of crazy growing pains as a result and the company that went from zero to a billion dollars overnight i can almost guarantee is a shit show internally even if the product oh, most definitely yeah yeah, and the company that took 25 years to get there is probably also a shit show internally, but for fundamentally different reasons. Like instead of like, hey, we we instead of uh, we don't have a process for that because literally three months ago there was a 16th of us or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they're like, hey, we have a process for that because we've been doing it the same fucking way for 30 years, and don't you dare question our process or and, change uh, it, yeah, or change it. And I, I you know, I'm just like. I'm not, I'm not on this to draw any big conclusions. I'm just thinking about some of these different market dynamics mm -hmm. and how things grow and how big and different they are. And like how, when you're a small company, like when, when, when I was at a very small company and had a significant say in what happened, we could stop and say, what's our value? Here's how we want to do that thing. We're going to do that because it's in line with our values. And then you try to disseminate those values down. And then, you know, eventually you're a part of a big company where someone's like, well, I heard our value is this thing. So here's what I think we're supposed to do. And they don't, and it's completely disconnected. It's almost like religion. You know, you get like, what, what's it mean to be a Christian? Well, you don't smoke cigarettes, you know, like, cause that's bad and sin is bad and we want to honor Jesus. And it's like, Oh, you know, like I, I think it's a, you, you end up with these religious things in companies mm -hmm. that are hilarious and completely disconnected from whatever the value was. And, um, yeah. I just find it all really fascinating. And I'm wrestling with a lot of that at the companies I'm working at now. I'm sorry. Was I way yeah. too all over the place for you to take that anywhere else? Well, I, I just think that there's so many different axes to the way yep. this works. And you pointed out a few of them, right? A company that comes into a market with something that hadn't existed before is incredibly... It, I, I do feel like this was the sweet spot when Splunk came into the market is it was a simple thing to explain. It's Google for your data center. What if you could just search any log in your data center rather than having to grep, right? That was just like immediate yep. understanding of what you could get. Um, and that allowed, and there wasn't anything else like that. And also the founders were pretty clear on what they wanted to make. And they were able to hire some pretty, you know, some pretty sharp talent right up front and boom, that thing, you know, I, I don't want to say it sold itself because selling stuff into enterprises is painful, no matter how good your product is. But having the ability to give the free version into, you know, kind of from the ground up, grassroots, snarky ads on um, on Slashdot, <laughs> those kinds of things, all of those things together caused it to be a company that was able to grow really fast and fill that fill that market space, create a category, as they call it. Uh, for for data center search kind of thing, but then 
other companies have, uh, they have a lot of, of backing. And so they're able to spend more time being thoughtful about what they're going to build even and, and come into a crowded market with an actual differentiator. That's another set of axes. How much runway do you have? You mentioned that earlier. Uh, are you able to hire? I think right now that's a huge thing for company growth is oh, yeah. uh, the, the pandemic and the move to remote work has really messed with the way companies thought that they could control their employee base. And so in order to grow as a company right now, you have an entirely different set of parameters that you have to deal with in addition to the market you're in and the amount of you know space you can take up with it. So yeah, I, 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 of course you're all over the place because there's all over the place to be going to in this discussion. So I kind of I, yeah. I feel like we should scope it to for it to be at all useful to anyone. But what have we tried to be useful to anyone, honestly? Well, I guess so. This is <laughs> this is where I'm going with some of it. Is I think I think there's 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 two big picture things that I would con draw conclusions around or or say this is this is what my thinking is. One is like I don't think I know some people think a lot in terms of like oh I like small companies I like big companies. I think there are big companies that operate like small companies, small companies that operate like big companies with all the good, bad and ugly therein. So like it's not necessarily uh, a for sure thing. Now, maybe small t companies tend to iterate faster, tend to have less bureaucracy. Those those things mm -hmm. are probably true. Um, yeah. And if you're going to go to a small company because you like those things, part of the conclusion I'm drawing is like, it's really fun to be at one where the product is just going nuts and there's mm -hmm. such varied levels of how the product's going nuts like and and at a bootstrap company where we just worked our asses off for every inch of ground that we took you know versus like even just product companies it's a lot easier to sell a product but uh is like is like night and day and then mm -hmm. At big company, if you're a big company person, and a lot of people I know go to big companies because they're risk averse or whatever their term is. Like, oh, I just want, I want to ride out this uh, pandemic, right? I don't want to mm -hmm. change because I know this company has deep pockets. I'm unlikely to be laid off. Get it. Totally get it. Um, yeah. But it's really hard to be a part of seeing some of those market dynamics. And like part of it is um, when you're on a cruise ship or a container boat that is literally massive you know if you pulled out a paddle and started pushing along like <laughs> literally nothing you are adding to its forward momentum but you can't tell and mm -hmm. uh you know when you're at that small company and you're you know in a tiny little boat even if there's a rocket attached to the back you're gonna paddle a little bit to get it start moving before you light the rocket or whatever it is and it's just a very different experience, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. And that attracts rocket. different kinds of people as you, in, as you uh, uh, alluded to. And, you know, I, as you said, it's totally okay to want to go to a large company. If you just are looking to keep your head down, make it through the next few years, or maybe they pay really well. Maybe you just want to, you know, not have to think too hard about your job and not yeah. everyone is super interested in in giving their lifeblood to the tech industry or wherever it is that they're working and i think that's totally fine it's definitely a mentality that gets shunned it's a it's a cultural thing that that companies try to to make seem like it's a terrible thing because it's not in their best interest uh and then you get people who want to work at startups because there's a potentially huge upside right that's fine that's great yeah. that's why i work at startups um 
And also because they don't like process. They don't like people telling them exactly how they have to do their check-ins or how they have to, you know, do code review X amount of time if they're a senior person or all of those things that tend to make companies more stable and have, you know, better quality over time, more consistency, things that, you know, those are things that, that smaller companies, they, they attract people who don't really want to think about that. They just, you, you get that sort of cowboy developer process going on. Uh, sometimes you get some really great benefits out of that. Someone who is not uh, being constrained by the process that they have to work within sometimes come up with really amazing ideas and really uh, unique yeah. and special implementations. Uh, it's yeah, that's, that's why we're all over the place. Like there's so many different angles you could look at this at. There are. Well, and, and I would say too, like when you switch back and forth between having gone from really big company to literally the first hire, right? Like yeah. the company I was at before that was like 25,000 people. Uh, honestly, what it was like was when I worked for a big company and I went and started a new team, you know, like mm -hmm. it was the same thing. Was, it, but the, the difference was when I was a part of a huge behemoth and I was like, hey, I'm moving to this new city. I'm recruiting a new team. We're setting up an office. We're going to do the whole thing. I had deep pockets, mm -hmm. everything security. that was good, everything that my boss liked about me or didn't like about me was what I reported up the chain because he had no way of seeing what was going on other than, you know, what's the data that I'm telling him, hey, this is what's happening. This is what it looks like. And, and he buys it mm -hmm. or he doesn't. And there's some objective measures, but they're hard. Uh, like made it so that I had tremendous freedom and there was very little risk. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the small company, particularly bootstrapped, there was tremendous freedom and there was a shit ton of risk. Like if I made a $20,000 mistake, we were in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, and I've yeah. made $20,000 mistakes at, at work, you know. Uh, thankfully, early on, most of my mistakes were more like $100 mistakes. But uh, I remember a $50,000 mistake I made once. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I think we were able to back out of it. Woo. But uh, yeah. Not understanding most how to of my software. tens of thousands of dollar mistakes were hires related. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, spent a lot of money on a person related. and find out it was a mistake. But oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hiring hiring is extremely difficult. We could do an entire episode about that. Um, I, I know we've talked to people small about companies it. and what it feels like to hire them at these different, just so that we talk in circles and it's less coherent. <laughs> Constantly <laughs> talking in circles, <laughs> it's us. Uh, so, so yeah, and, and I, I do remember the feeling of going from working at Splunk. I took some time off after that. Uh, but you know, working at Splunk, being a, a senior director at a very large company, learning about things like how do you do sales kickoff for, you know, thousands of salespeople? Uh, what, what happens during those? I'd never had that kind of experience before. Even when I was at Semantic, I was kind of kept in my box of, you're just within the giant tech pubs org, which was about as big, I think, as our entire sales org uh, at Splunk. Um, but then going back to start at a very small company, which I think was just coming out of being bootstrapped. Um, I, I was employee number 16, I think, uh, at Honeycomb. And uh, the, the remembering, like... After being somewhere for nine years, after being somewhere where you have all the history of how th decisions were made and uh, how the company grew and, and mistakes that were made and why you didn't do a thing a certain way or knowing where all the bodies are buried, knowing all the details about how this fussy 
procurement system works, whatever. It is really weird to go to a place where you know nothing about how the company yeah. runs or how to do yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I don't remember it being really traumatic. I just remember being like, I don't like not knowing what to tell people. You know, <laughs> I don't like not being the person who knows things. Hey, you know, I drink. Well, if you were things. 60 up to 3000, you were the person who knows things. And oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, still yeah. the role I play at Fairwinds. Like, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the closest thing we have to a founder at this point that's still there, right? And yeah, so yeah. like, hey, did we ever have so-and-so as a client? No, I, I I, know. I know the name of every single client we've ever had, even though they're in, you know, it's probably a hundred clients at this point between software and services, or mm-hmm. you know, it might be, I don't it might be quite a bit more than that, actually, now that I think about it. But, uh, I, you know, I know every single person that's ever worked here because the vast majority of them I hired, uh, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, yep. Yeah. 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 I do. And I do recall also, uh, I, at one point I was added, I gave a talk about community and why it's, you know, a valuable aspect of, of, a of a company's, um, existence and why you should invest in it and what it's for and all that stuff. Um, and so I was, that talk was added to the onboarding at, at Splunk. Oh, wow. uh, long at, yep. I mean, uh, when I joined, there was no onboarding, just like at, when I joined Cribble, there wasn't yet an onboarding process. Yeah. Uh, but then people who were hired would know who I was and I had no idea who they were. And that's, that's definitely unsettling. So I would get people who had had, who felt I was like some kind of minor celebrity. And I'm like, mm, how do you know who I am? You know, oh, right. Right. Um, that kind of I'm stuff worried. is pretty weird when a company gets huge for sure. Yes. I mean, you've been there yes. for a long time. Indeed. And so I, I wonder if you'll ever have that experience. <laughs> oh, well, famous I mean, Kendall. There's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, some of it's related to the speed at which you're growing and all those things, too. So there's, there's, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's definitely people that I don't know very well that know me, but... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. not it's not a, at the massive scale by any means so a feeling that famous people have to get used to which is really uncomfortable for me luckily i don't have yeah. to care about it anymore hooray <laughs> <laughs> well go sew your bloomers uh yes dear that's gonna be my get out of here you hoser uh <laughs> go sew your bloomers go, go sew your bloomers <laughs> uh, yeah you can do a better irish accent than that or a scottish accent um so yeah your bloomers yeah i feel like we have been all over the place here and haven't really made any good conclusions meaningful conclusions yeah it's uh i think it's too big of a topic okay Uh, well next time i will scope much narrower and or we'll just have a guest on so that we can uh make them have to draw the meaningful conclusions yes because they're smarter than us usually that's usually (laughs) yeah usually usually usually. Now uh, everyone's going to wonder. Who anything, you? anything, any, um, wait, before we go, a recommendation, anything you've read, watched, consumed, suggest? Um, I have just uh, started the third book by, in a trilogy by Naomi Novik. Uh, she wrote um, a series of books about dragons fighting in the Napoleonic Wars called the Temeraire series, which were awesome. Uh, but she just recently wrote a series about, uh, called the Scholomance. Is uh, pretty awesome. I think it's supposed to be. I've been reading a lot of young adult stuff, but it's uh, it's been a fun. It's pretty gritty. It's oh, like man. Harry Potter, but way grittier. And uh, and yeah. um, I enjoyed it more. 
So now I'm digging into the third and final book in this series, and I'm I'm glad it just came out at the beginning of the month. I recommend that. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? Um, my suggestion is um... oh gosh, I don't even know what to say. I was I was going to say learn Portuguese. This is a hard language. It's I think what's uh-huh. hard about it is. It's it's so similar to Spanish. Now the Portuguese don't like when I say that. So what I say is, well, Spanish is so similar to Portuguese, and that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the um, interesting nuance, but like the pronunciation is so different. So you like I can read so many signs because of the three years I studied Spanish in high school. And if mm-hmm. somebody says the words out loud, I wouldn't have a clue. Like the pronunciation is so fundamentally different, and I am like, I feel like. I've learned to use the the Romanized alphabet that we use in English in Chinese. I learned Arabic with that before I learned Arabic letters. Mm-hmm. You know, I've learned a lot of languages and nothing makes as little sense to me as the Portuguese written words because it's so, so hard for me to wrap my head around. This is an SH in this situation versus an S or this is an AIN sounds, you know, sounds similar to Arabic. Well, we drop this O, we drop this E, we never pronounce that. Well, this is an I'm and an OW and a like, (laughs) woo, it is a brain fuck i'm having fun actually i'm really enjoying the language but uh it's but you're using fun. a book how to how to learn portuguese or oh i have a i have a tutor uh, that i ah, I, I have see. a i have a strong opinion about how i learn a language so i mostly sit there with a person and how about this how about that how about this what's this what's this i'm gonna practice that i'm gonna say it again i'm gonna say it again i'm gonna say it again i'm saying you like okay it's, so it's, you, uh, they don't drive the learning about you do no 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 this is like a 17 year old kid that half the time i'm like why is it like that and he's like i don't have a fucking clue and i'm like cool cool, cool. Let's keep going. <laughs> all right thanks <laughs> Fat lot of good you're doing me uh yeah well so... I'm, I'm not paying for a professional tutor i'm pray- paying for a person to speak portuguese at me Okay. That's a good differentiation to make. So, so your recommendation is don't learn Portuguese or what is it? What is I your... think my recommendation is do learn Portuguese. It's okay. really entertaining. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Portugal uh, Portuguese. My oh, Brazilian and friends thing, will be upset about that, but go ahead. I would definitely recommend if you're at all into Star Wars, the show Andor that just started, especially oh, the first episode. Yeah, I think that's Disney Plus. Uh, I'm not in charge of any of that. My husband is in charge of all of our TV subscriptions. I just, you know, get to veto what we're watching sometimes. Um, nice. But there was there was a scene at in the I think it's in the very first episode. I think there are only four or five out right now, where uh, an employee and a manager have a conversation, and it is so good. The manager is so obviously super experienced and gives really great advice to the employee, which the employee subsequently, of course, uh, ignores completely. But I, and it reminded me of The Wire. I don't know if you've ever watched that. The kind of level of intrigue and deep understanding of how a, how yes. the, the world works and the depicting of it, it just made me think of that. So definitely recommend huh. it uh, if you have a chance to watch. Not, you know, not necessarily because you're a super Star Wars fan, but because this is a pretty well-made little TV show so far. Yeah, interesting. So, huh? There you go. Recommendations. I have okay. some. <laughs> well, we should wrap up because I got to ditch you, but uh, good talking to you. It's good talking to you too. I hope we get to talk again soon. Enjoy the beach. We'll talk again soon. We'll pull people. We'll pull people in. I swear. I'm mostly sure. <laughs> <laughs>